This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Global Jews are seeking a home in Israel. The question is, is the nation ready? Aliyah, that means to go up, to return to Israel, to Jerusalem. Requests to Israel surge amid the war, raising interest in housing projects. Can the apartment supply meet the demand? That's the question there in Israel as we speak. And not only have there been a surge of people seeking to make Aliyah, but a request has gone out from Israel calling all Americans, it's time to make Aliyah. In other words, it's time to come home. It's time to come back to the land of Israel. Sounds an awful lot like the ancient prophets, where God said that he would use their voices to call Israel, the Jewish people, back to their homeland, so that he, God, could fulfill his word, wherein he said to Abraham, I will bless those that bless you, I will curse those that curse you, and in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. He then gave Abraham the meats and bounds of the so-called Holy Land, the land of Israel, the land of promise, and he said that those bounds would be from Lebanon to the river of Egypt, and then from the Mediterranean all the way over to the Euphrates River. Israel doesn't even begin to occupy that territory today. In fact, probably maybe only 25% of that territory. So there's plenty of territory with God's mind and heart and intentions for Israel to occupy. The problem is that the rest of the world doesn't feel quite that way, and that's creating real problems. Real tension And particularly with regard to the Gaza Strip, with regard to Hamas, with regard to that continuing battle and war over there that is uh, taking the lives of so many people. But Hamas has dedicated itself to this element of destruction. They are using their own people as a means to hide, to protect themselves, to carry on their nefarious agenda for the destruction of Israel. For those who think or have been tempted to be, uh, to, to think that somehow Hamas's goal and intention is to create a situation to, uh, you know, bring about peace and a nice new uh, peaceful time over there in Israel, they're living in a fool's paradise. Hamas has been very clear. Our goal is not just to take over Israel and to destroy Israel, to push her into the sea, as was the intention of the Arab states in 1948, but also to take over the entire world. They said, we're not interested just in Israel. We're interested in taking over the world. Well, that is the goal of Islam by declaration within the uh, Quran and the Hadiths that accompany the Quran. And it is well known for those who have any desire to know what the truth is, that is a well-known truth. So in the midst of it all, 
we find Israel, little bitty Israel, that now has a population of approximately 10 million, about 75, uh, 7.5 million Jewish people, and the rest Arabs and uh, others. And so we have a very small country, equivalent to one of the smallest states in our country, <coughs> that is fighting for its life, fighting for its survival, just as God had promised that he would bring them back from the north, the south, the east, and the west after they had been disciplined for a short time, like two days or 2,000 years. A day with the Lord is is 1,000 years. A 1,000 years is a day. So it's been, for many of them, it's been about two days, 2,000 years, in which they've been disciplined, spread throughout the face of the earth, just as God said was going to happen, just as he told the Jewish people, the Hebrews that came out of Egypt, uh, through the voice of the hand of Moses saying, if you don't obey my voice, it's not going to be a pretty picture. You can read about it in the last uh, 40 verses of uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28, where he says, I'm going to disperse you. In the morning, you're going to wish it were evening. In the evening, you'll wish it were morning uh, because of what's going to happen to you, because you have... Re- rejected my word, my will, and my ways, and you would have none of me, even though I chose you, I loved you, not because you were so great, but because I chose you as the apple of my eye. So, history is now rebounding, shall we say, because prophecy is about to be completely fulfilled. We're in that season, many of you know that, uh, and if you were not convinced All you have to do is look at Israel and the developments in just the last, uh, well, since 1948, and you would see that within a period of uh, 80 years, the farthest extent of a generation, God said in his word that uh, our lifespan would be 70 years, and if by reason of strength, 80 years. So now we're approaching 80 years, and... uh, we see Israel has been reconstituted as a nation, just as the prophet Ezekiel's foretold in Ezekiel 37. But the rest of the story hasn't been told yet. The nation has been formed. The people have been coming back from the north, the south, the east, and the west, but primarily from the north, Russia, and now Ukraine. Massive numbers coming from Russia and Ukraine historically. But now the call is gone out in Jerusalem Post to Americans. It's time to make Aliyah. The history of Israel is deeply intertwined with the stories of mass immigration, even catalyzed by wars and conflicts. Wars, with their profound impacts on human lives and societies, have acted as both push and pull factors in the waves of Jewish immigration to Israel a complex interplay between geopolitical events and individual decisions. The article goes on to say the psychological impact of immigration, particularly under the shadow of conflict, cannot be overstated. The decision to leave one's homeland is fraught with uncertainty and loss, yet the prospect of safety and belonging can offer a powerful counterbalance. There is one word that American Jews don't like hearing, it's aliyah. But during this dramatic time in Israel's history, it's time for us to be a bit less diplomatic. American Jews 
are the largest Jewish community in the diaspora, and it's time for them to come home. That's the message coming from Israel, coming from the Jerusalem Post. In 2024, after the most dramatic attack against Jews since the establishment of Israel, Israel needs you, they say. Kind of like those signs that we used to see in America, Uncle Sam needs you. We need doctors, nurses, soldiers, psychologists, social workers. What we need right now is help, physical, emotional, and spiritual. So make Aliyah shortly. Do it today. Let's get on with the program, they say. Massive Aliyah Jews can only assist in shaping Israel's political stance and attitudes spiritually and Statewise, Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. And so, yes, indeed, global Jews are seeking home in Israel. The question also asked in another article by the Jerusalem Post, is the nation ready? Is the nation ready? Well, it appears that 3,000 new homes are being prepared in the West Bank, and the whole world is rising up against it. How dare the Jewish people rise up homes in the West Bank. Well, one Christian writer says Christians should stop using the term the West Bank because in reality all it is is a liberal political term against Israel. What we should be calling it is Judea and Samaria. Ah, that's the biblical term for it. Judea and Samaria. So, stop talking about the West Bank. Let's talk about biblical Israel. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then, as the gospel says, unto the uttermost parts of the earth. All that having been said is the foundation. We take a look now in the balance of the program concerning attitudes with regard to Gaza, with regard to the Gaza Strip, with regard to Hamas, with regard to the world's view uh, that is increasingly uh, being brought to bear upon Israel, upon Benjamin Netanyahu, I'm sure has gone through uh, horrific pressure, terrible pressure, because the whole world is against him. Can you imagine one world leader, the whole world is against you? Well, the whole world is against Israel, just as the Bible said it would be. You see, from the Jewish perspective, the whole world is Edom. The Edomites, the descendants of Esau. God said, I'm going to destroy them. Also, from the Jewish viewpoint, the whole world is Amalek. God said, I'm going to destroy the Amalekites. And so, we have in Israel the perception that indeed the whole world, whether you want to call them Edomites, whether you want to call them Amalekites, 
or what do you whether you want to call them the Gentile nations or the heathen, they are against Israel. Now that's their uh, their place, and now with the latest attack on October seventh by Hamas, this has painted a picture for Israel that has put them into you could say a complete existential position. In other words, their very existence is on the line. Now, Ukraine is seeking to convey the very same kind of situation where Russia attacked uh, several years ago uh, in order to secure their own safety at the border, according to Vladimir Putin. On the other hand, Mr. Medvedev, who is uh, former president of Russia, has gone on record saying, no, we, we want to take even Kiev. We want to take Odessa. We want to take Kiev. In fact, we want to take the whole place. Well, that's exactly what Hamas has said about Israel. We don't have time to go into uh, the Russian-Ukrainian issue here today. We'll do that perhaps later this week. Lord willing, the creek don't rise, so to speak. But for now, we're taking a look at what's happening with regard to Israel and the so-called Palestinian state, of which there is none. There never has been, and from Israel's standpoint, there never will be. However, Saudi Arabia is saying, well, if you want to have us to have normal relationships with you, Israel, then you are going to have to set out a Palestinian state. You're going to have to resolve this issue. Now, initially it was said, you're just going to have to, it's going to have to be in place. But then it was qualified to say, well, you have to at least have a plan in order to establish the Palestinian state. That's the latest issue. That's the latest position. But there have never been diplomatic ties between Israel and Saudi Arabia. Remember, Saudi Arabia is the very heart throb of uh, Islam. You know, Mecca... Islam coming out of Saudi Arabia? Yeah. So Saudi Arabia's top diplomat a month ago says it won't recognize Israel without a path to a Palestinian state. Well, let's suppose that Israel says, well, we're willing to consider a path, but in reality we don't see how that can happen. Will there be some sort of normalization or diplomatic recognition between Saudi Arabia and uh, Israel that would provide, theoretically, substantial economic benefit to Israel. On the other hand, this article came out a month ago where uh, Blaine Holt who is a uh, retired U.S. Air Force Brigadier General, said that Netanyahu absolutely will not agree to two states, a Palestinian state. 
He said, think about how ludicrous this is. You have a vicious, nasty attack. It's unprecedented. The savagery we saw on October 7th. Netanyahu says we're going to get after this. We're going to erase Hamas, and that's the military objective. But then Holt says, and then look at what's happening with America. We don't even stand by them, and yet we claim that we're their supporters. He said, the United States is not only pushing Israel to end its war, but wants to award their enemy with a state an option that their enemy has turned down on three separate occasions in peace talks. Also, retired Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer appeared on television, said that a two-state solution will not resolve the root cause behind the strife between Israel and the Palestinians. The Biden proposal right now is literally like when you have the best cancer surgeon in the world and remove all the cancer, and then some knucklehead comes along and says, oh, now we need to put the cancer back in. In other words, by allowing a Palestinian state, the formal acknowledgement and founding of a Palestinian state Necessarily, it will have Hamas at the center because they're not going to be destroyed. Therefore, it's like reintroducing the cancer that you were surgically removing through all of this warfare, and now you're going to welcome them back and hope for the best that the cancer isn't going to take over you over before you're absolutely destroyed by some other source. That's really where things are. Now, that having been the case, this is going somewhere, friends. This is going somewhere. The EU's top diplomat, this came from the Times of Israel, the EU's top diplomat, Joseph Borrell, said that the only peaceful solution to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict includes the creation of a Palestinian state, and then he suggested this might have to be imposed from the outside without Israel's agreement. He was speaking in Spain. He said that without international intervention, the spiral of hate will continue generation after generation. So he said, if all these nations are in favor of this solution, the international community needs to impose a Palestinian state. In other words, Israel would have no choice. International pressure for advancing the two-state solution has intensified. We all know this since October 7th, that uh, the Hamas attacks. But while some international actors believe the violence only underlies the need for a peace deal, Israeli leaders argue that the attack highlighted the extreme danger of an autonomous Palestinian entity near its population centers. And amid soaring support for Hamas among Palestinians in the wake of the atrocities, like over 80% of the people in the Gaza Strip declared that they were in support of Hamas, There appears to be little appetite in the Israeli public for peace efforts. Netanyahu said he had told Washington he objected to any Palestinian statehood that did not guarantee Israel's security 
as the country reels from the devastating attacks. He said, I clarify that in any arrangement in the foreseeable future, Israel must have security control over the entire territory west of the Jordan River. That is a necessary condition. Now, all of these things, friends, again, I want to advise you, are being provided to you because of the discussion that we're going to engage in shortly. Because things are moving very, very rapidly. Very rapidly. And now we find even our Secretary of State, maybe especially our Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, has now resorted to the threat that Arabs won't pay to rebuild Gaza without a path to Palestinian statehood. In other words, what he's actually saying is, we're going to mandate that Israel rebuild the entire Gaza Strip on their own nickel, notwithstanding the fact that all of this was caused by Hamas, and that Hamas was supported by 86% or so of the those in the Gaza Strip, we're still going to demand that Israel pay for the reconstruction of the Gaza Strip. This is being called blackmail, that Blinken is using economic blackmail to achieve the goal of Palestinian statehood. In short, Blinken is making it clear that unless Israel wants to absorb the full cost of rebuilding Gaza, we're going to have to offer to make nice with the Palestinians by incentivizing their willingness to take on the massive restoration program. And under what framework would that incentive come? Being agreeable to the acceptance of a Palestinian state alongside the Jewish one. It's financial blackmail. Now, Rather than focusing on the real problem, the genocidal aspirations of those who are trying to use Israel's right to defense, Blinken is instead fixating on the possibility of a second flattening of Gaza, rendering Arab investment superfluous. So, according to the Jerusalem Post, what is completely missed by America's Secretary of State and Joe Biden is that Israel's acquiescence to Palestinian statehood is, consider these words now, tantamount to signing its death warrant. Tantamount to signing its death warrant. I'm going to repeat that a third time. Tantamount to signing its death warrant. Before October 7th, Israel already had an inkling that it was in the nature of Palestinians to sting Israel. But if we were ever doubtful, that tragic day made it painfully clear that Israel has no real partner when it comes to the concept of peaceful coexistence and living side by side with mutual respect. No real partner, including the United States of America. 
So where does that leave us? Again, I want to repeat the words, tantamount to signing its death warrant. What might that refer to? What might that uh, ultimately mean? Not only on the ground from a, shall we say, a human geopolitical viewpoint, but from God's viewpoint, sort of the God's eye, the bird's eye viewpoint. Are those viewpoints different? You bet. And we're going to find out what God's viewpoint just may be when we get back. You're listening to Viewpoint, friends. Viewpoint does determine destiny. It is determining destiny. That's exactly what we're talking about. We'll be back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. Speak softly and carry a big stick. You remember those words from Teddy Roosevelt, speak softly and carry a big stick. Very much like Ronald Reagan's view that uh, you're not going to be able to live in peace with people unless you're prepared for war. In other words, you're strong. People, these nations do not respect anything other than strength. Now, that is a human viewpoint, and the reason it's a human viewpoint is because we're dealing with human beings. Human beings are not, uh, in general, they're not God-fearing, they're not loving of others or their neighbors, they're in for power, perks, and position. That's how the wars and rumors of war start. It's how many different things uh, start to divide people and produce wars and rumors of wars and all kinds of nasty things upon this planet. God has a different view. God's view from the very get-go was that he was choosing a fellow by the name of Abraham because he would obey his voice and he would raise his children to obey and fear the Lord. And because of that, God said, look, I'm choosing you, Abraham, and your seed after you. I'm going to bless those that bless you. I'm going to curse those that curse you. And in and through you shall all the nations or peoples of the earth be blessed. Now, ultimately, that is a spiritual declaration. It's not a geopolitical declaration, but it has geopolitical consequences or implications. And that's where a lot of people get messed up. They think, well, God's finished with Israel No, that the church has replaced Israel. No, that's called replace with theology, and it isn't true. 
God still has his eye on Israel. He called Israel the apple of his eye. He made very specific promises to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob concerning the land of Israel. It's called Eretz Israel, the land of Israel, the land of promise. There's a reason why it's called the promised land. Not everybody got into the promised land. Those who were rebellious, who were murmurs and complainers that God took out of Egypt, they didn't get in. They just didn't get in. Only two people who had come out of Egypt, they were adults, 21 years of age and older, only two were allowed into the promised land, Joshua and Caleb. The other people that came in were under the age of 21 when they came out of Egypt. God did not hold them responsible for the uh, spiritual dereliction of their parents. And so they came in with Joshua and Caleb. Now, there are implications for that for all of us, spiritual implications for you and for me if we're on the near edge of the second coming. Tremendous spiritual implications. As the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he said, those things happen to them for our example unto whom the ends of the world are come. So take heed that what happened to them doesn't happen to you. In another place, in Hebrews it says, for unto them, unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith with them that heard it. In other words, they didn't do the will of God. So Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, is going to inherit the kingdom. Not everybody who claims to be a Christian, not everybody who names the name of Christ is going to inherit the kingdom of God. Only those who do the will of my Father, he said, like I did, so they must do. Only those who obey my Father's word, will, and ways. Because God's not going to allow any rebels into his kingdom. He's just not going to do it. He's God. And he's a father. And he's not playing games. Unlike American fathers, he means what he says and says what he means. We have a hard time understanding that in our easy uh, Sunday go to meet in churchianity here in America, where everything is ruled by our feelings rather than the faith. But here we are on the near edge of the second coming, facing together with Israel an existential problem. Now, before we go into that existential problem from God's viewpoint, let me make available to you once again my book, King of the Mountain, the eternal, epic, and end-time battle, for it is said, he who rules the Temple Mount rules the world. He that rules the Temple Mount rules the world. And quite frankly, friends, that's the goal. That's the goal of Hamas. That's the goal of Islam. That's the goal of the Pope. That's the goal of uh, uh, the Western One World Order that's being formed. That's the goal of the nations, to rule the world. And where is the consummate place of power, geopolitical and spiritual, deemed by the leaders of our world? Where is that? 
the Temple Mount. 37 acres, the most precious acres on the planet, totally priceless. It is that location that Satan has already gone on record. The deceiver has already gone on record. The one who is ruling the nations has already gone on record. He is going to ascend to the heights of the north, the Temple Mount, and he is going to sit in the temple of God on the Mount of God to rule the world. He's already declared it. On the other hand, God, who is, by the way, God, the creator of heaven and earth, has said in Psalm 2, even though the nations rage and imagine a vain and foolish thing, yet I have set my king on my holy hill. So God encourages the peoples of this planet, whether they be prime ministers, priests, popes, presidents, Whatever they may be, whatever power they may seem to bring, he said, look, you need to get serious about this because I'm God and I've already set my king on my holy hill. He said, but he's not there now. That's true. But what God, when God says, he speaks not in time, but in eternity. It's already done. From God's perspective, it's done. Yeshua, Hamashiach, Jesus Christ, the Lord of the church, and the Savior of the world, the Holy One of Israel, will be ruler on the Temple Mount. But until then, until then, the nations of the earth are doing their best to position their relative strengths to combine forces so that someone, and they hope it will be them, will be able to rule and reign from the Temple Mount. And they will be Satan's emissary. So in the meantime now, it's what we want to focus on with regard to this tantamount to signing the death warrant to allow a Palestinian state or to succumb to the pressure of the nations, the heathen, the nations, to compel Israel to accept a Palestinian state. Until then, get a copy of the book, King of the Mountain. It's a $20 book, yours for $15. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. You can call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. And it's going to reveal to you the incredible dynamic from God's viewpoint obtained through the Scriptures of what has been happening since creation, in fact, before creation, when Satan 
was in the mount of God on the stones of fire in the heavens, as the Bible describes. And in his raging envy, decided that he'd be equal to God. Now, Israel stands in the midst of all this. So you're going to get the book, King of the Mountain, and as you read it, your eyes are going to be opened in a very unusual way so that history, as it's developing before your eyes, is going to make sense. It's not going to be just idle stories here and there on various news agencies. You're now going to have a much bigger biblical overview of what's of the dynamics that are taking place. All right. That having been said, then, we go back to this fascinating statement that came from the Jerusalem Post just a couple of weeks ago. What is completely missed by Anthony Blinken, our Secretary of State, is that Israel's acquiescence to Palestinian statehood is tantamount to signing its death warrant. Now, for anyone who is a, even a moderate uh, student of Scripture, it should cause you to remember a very famous passage. It's found in Isaiah chapter 28. In Isaiah chapter 28, God talks about a situation where the leaders of Israel, who are spiritually weak and do not really know God, and do not truly trust God, are going to acquiesce to the pressures of the nations of the earth. And something serious is going to take place. Would you like to hear what it is? But we get back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. The fulcrum of the future, the fulcrum of the future is about to be revealed. It's in the process of being revealed. The fulcrum of the future. A fulcrum is very much like what we as kids uh, used to call a teeter-totter. That's a fulcrum. 
A fulcrum is kind of like a lever. Uh, actually, the fulcrum is the piece over which the board or the teeter-totter goes up and down. So the fulcrum is the centerpiece for the lever. And what's happening now, the Gaza war, but not the Gaza war is only the, uh, shall we say, the agency that brought this ultimate fulcrum about. But the real fulcrum is a Palestinian state. So, what is it about this that is so serious? From God's viewpoint, does God have a viewpoint concerning this? I believe he does. This is the penultimate decision that Israel must make. These things have been going on now for years and years and years. For 70 plus years since Israel's formation as a nation. Going all the way back to the Balfour Declaration in 1917. And in reality, going all the way back to the problems that Israel has had throughout her history. God called Israel to be the apple of his eye, to show forth his glory to the nations. Israel didn't do a very good job of that. They still admit that that's what they're called to do but they're not doing a very good job of it. And there's a reason for that, because they're not spiritually capable of doing that job. First, they rejected Yeshua as Messiah. Before that, they rejected the voice of the prophets that called them repeatedly back to repentance and righteousness, and they rejected every one of them. And so Jesus, a couple of days before his crucifixion, was standing there overlooking the uh, eastern gate of Jerusalem, and he just wrung his hands, so to speak, and said, O oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that crucifies, thou that persecutest the prophets, oh, how I would have gathered you like a chicken gathers its chicklets under its wings. But you would not. You would not. Those are the functional words. You would not. The problem with Israel is they didn't trust God. And that's the problem with you and me. Here on the near edge of the second coming, our trust quotient is so weak. Our spiritual condition is so weak that it's almost almost impossible for American Christians to trust God. Because we trust everything else. And now we trust AI. And AI is going to present itself as the ultimate trustworthy thing. May even produce the Antichrist for all we know. Our trust is in serious jeopardy. And so is Israel's. Because God wanted Israel to trust him. With all their heart. All their soul. All their mind and their strength to love him, to serve him. Read about it in Deuteronomy chapter 30 and Deuteronomy chapter 10. 
And now Israel is faced with an ultimate decision. Will Israel and her leaders succumb to world pressure to form or allow to be formed a Palestinian state alongside Israel? So my question to you is, what do you think they'll do? What do you think they will do? I think ultimately they'll give in. Because the pressure is so great and the threats are so great coming, yes, even from their so-called best friend, America. That itself has turned itself against the God of creation, the God who made and preserved us a nation, and we also have succumbed to the pressures of the world and are doing the will of Satan himself. We're becoming the instigators in the name of friendship. Now that's called betrayal. It happened to Jesus and it happened to King David through Ahithophel, his best friend. Horrible betrayal. America is betraying Israel. Mr. Biden is being used as, shall we say, the engine of betrayal through his administration. And Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, is his henchman to accomplish the job. Here is what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 28. It talks to the leaders of Israel and calls them basically disbelievers, unbelievers, uh, even worse than that. In rebellion against God, having basically abandoned the very God who made and preserved them a nation. And in their ultimate existential moment, they will succumb and they will embrace an agreement. Whether you want to call it a treaty or some other kind of agreement, whatever name is attached, it doesn't matter. They will enter into a, an agreement. The Bible calls it a covenant. But that's not the only thing the Bible calls it. The Bible calls it a covenant with death. In other words, what Israel's leaders ultimately decide to do in their existential moment will result in the most painful, retributive action against Israel that she will have ever, ever experienced. Ultimately, I believe it will result in the ultimate act of anti-Semitism that will come 
when the Antichrist himself takes over and walks into a rebuilt temple to declare himself God. And then all hell will break loose. Prophet Zechariah says two-thirds of all the Jewish people at that time will lose their lives. It will make Hitler's Holocaust look like a Sunday school picnic. The problem is that the very same consequences are going to echo into the so-called Christian community all over the world. It's called persecution. Anti-Semitism against Israel, persecution against Christians, and it's already happening in high drama. That's why I'm writing the book, When Persecution Comes. Preparing for these perilous times. So, what God says is going to happen is that they're going to enter into this covenant with death. That's why the words tantamount to signing its death warrant jerked my chain, grabbed my mind when I read them coming from the Jerusalem Post, tantamount to signing its death warrant. But they'll do it anyway. Ultimately, they'll do it anyway because the world will pressure them and because they do not trust God, they will trust man. Now, which is better, my friend, to trust God or to trust man? Be careful when you answer the question. Because you yourself may be put in that position. In fact, we're all going to be put in that position one way or another. And we already are right now. The choices every day that we make, the pressures that are coming upon us to conform to the world and its ways, to conform to the pressure of the culture, to conform to pressures coming even within our churches, Uh Uh-huh. As it is for Israel, so it will be for the so-called Sunday people. So it's the fulcrum of the future for Israel and for the world. They'll enter into this agreement, a covenant with death. God himself will disannul the covenant. But it's still going to have its horrible ravages. God's going to disannul the covenant because he married Israel at Mount Sinai. And Israel purportedly married him at Mount Sinai. So God is going to keep his word as a father, as a husband to Israel and disannul the covenant. But they're going to reap the rewards of their distrust of their husband, God. And it ain't going to be pretty. Israel is going to be sifted like wheat. The Christian world is going to be sifted like wheat. Just as Jesus said to Peter, 
you're going to be sifted like wheat. So friends, seeing that these things are about to happen and are happening right before our eyes, don't you think it would be advisable for us to get more serious about our relationship with the Lord? Israel's not serious. Even the Orthodox Jews and the Hasidic Jews are only serious in a, shall we say, a customary kind of way. But they repudiate Yeshua. They're looking for a man, a human Messiah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable, but that's exactly what they're looking for. And so until this fulcrum of the future is experienced, until this ultimate existential moment is reached, Israel will still be in rebellion and will not trust God. You can call it the power of pressure, my friends. That may very well be the title of my next uh, chapter in the book, When Persecution Comes. I hope you get a copy of the book, King of the Mountain. It'll help you to understand the dynamics that are taking place. $15. We'll put it in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. You can call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA. You can write to us at Save America Ministries, PO Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. By the way, if you want to become part of the Persecution Project, go to the website and you can sign up for uh, that particular project to invest in the uh, getting out of this book for these ultimate moments of human history. God bless. Be a blessing. Yes. Pray for the, the future of Jerusalem. You've been listening yourself. to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.